Interleague Faithful, welcome back. Episodes will change as we begin the offseason. We're not talking about what they're doing. We're talking about what they should do, even though we probably already talked about that. You've heard it here before. We've come up with plenty of content. It won't stop us now. Who cares if there's not a CBA? And we'll talk about MLB The Show. You don't know. All I'm saying is if you're tuned in tonight, you're probably one of three people. And thank you for 73 episodes hanging in there. Today makes 74. Spax, how's it going? It's going. Um, yeah, it's a uh, it's weird, weird feeling. Um, I'm a, I'm a big fan of off-season baseball, but, you know, with a, an ever-looming work stoppage on the horizon, it kind of has that uh, eeriness to it as well. Like, oh man, it's here, but it could just as quickly be gone. Yeah. I mean, we should be prepared for it, though, right? Like, yeah. Co- or at least ML, sorry, MLB should be prepared for it because they had a work stoppage pretty much in COVID, right? So, like, you know, True. they have a little more deals done, but like, you know, they should, and this isn't their first time, but they do not typically make good decisions. So, it's also a time we'll see uh, how smart they are. I, I think that that's, that's a fair assessment. Um, yeah, there's obviously still some things that'll take place. Um, you know, the award week and stuff like that that'll happen next next week. I think it's like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. They'll announce the winners of each of like the major four awards. Um, Gold gloves came out already. We'll get into that tonight. We'll get into the finals for the other awards tonight. Um, yeah, we kind of did some pregame prep work. Um, I think the the game plan for those of you tuning in next week, we'll do like a, a real deep dive on the Cardinals roster breakdown, where things are at, even looking at like who's on the 40 man roster, um, rule five protection, you know, all, all kinds of the, the intricacies that exist in an off season for baseball that normally don't really get talked about day to day in most circles. Uh, so we'll spend one week kind of focusing in on the Cardinals, one week focusing in on the Yankees, um, and then that'll take us pretty close to the end of November. And if uh, CBA agreement hasn't been worked out by that point, we'll, you know, you know, dedicate an episode to try to give our thoughts and break down what we think is going on um, to the best of our ability. I'm sure, you know the Trevor Bowers of the world will be super awesome at that point where they say it, get everything out into the public. Uh, but yeah, so, um, so yeah, so we have, we have our, our couple weeks leading up to this potential stoppage worked out, um, should be fun. Um, anything pertinent will obviously chime in on as well. Like if there's any big signings or anything takes place, uh, you know, we'll, we'll make note of it as well. Um, yeah, so, so I'm sure we'll talk about some roster stuff, some changes for our teams that took place, you know, in the, the not too distant past, but we'll really try to save some of the deep diving, uh, for the weeks to come. 
Um, I don't know if we're going to get into this, and I meant to ask you before, so we'll just detour right into it. Uh, when you messaged me earlier about the Cardinals uh, outfield being... Uh, oh, shit, what did you say? Oh, uh, where where I said the, well, the, the log jam. Example, is, yeah, yeah, the, the log jam being kind of kind of being cleared up. Yeah. yeah. What about it? Yeah, I mean, what happened? I didn't even see. Oh, that. um, so, eh, so I guess I guess nothing official because there's there's nothing stopping these guys from being brought like being re-signed by the Cardinals. Um, but this will this will be. It, it's part of the roster deep dive or I it I'll I made notes on it like kind of speaking to what it means long term but essentially the the reason behind that comment is the changes like the I guess like the roster moves if you will that happened recently um, so it's like early aspects like the teams have till November 19th to add players that they want to protect from the rule five draft to their 40 man roster. And then to protect the player from the triple a phase of the rule five draft, they have to be added to the 28 man active roster at your triple a level. Um, so in, I guess it like, I, I, it's weird to me because they have till the 19th, but players have opted to, like, in in lieu of, like, being designated for assignment or whatever, to opt into, like, to elect minor league free agency. Um, but that was, Justin Williams was one of them, so he's no longer a Cardinal. Um, they still could re-sign him, but he's no longer a Cardinal. Um, Max Moroff was another one that elected for minor league free agency. Um, Nick Plummer. Um, opted like elected for minor league free agency. He was like the he was like a first round pick from a couple years ago. He was like number ten in the Cardinals prospect rankings. Um, he was another outfielder, and then Austin Dean was claimed off of waivers by the Giants um, when the Cardinals went to remove him off of the forty man roster. So mm-hmm. more off Williams, Dean, and Plummer all are no longer in the Cardinals organization. Um, so when Dean and Williams were like number five, number six with Newt Barr kind of solidifying himself as, you know, one of the top four outfielders, you're, you know, like that, that kind of tanks down a little bit. Yeah. Um, so that's what I was saying. Like it just cleared up a bit. Um, there's some other, other things that I, I think that that might allude to. Um, but like I said, when we get into like, the actual roster breakdown. And if everything else ends up being real slow or like if we cruise through everything else that, that I have on the agenda, there's nothing stopping us from just digging into the Cardinals tonight. Uh, so we'll see how it goes. But yeah, you know, I know you have an early morning as well. So, I mean, if everything goes slow, we can just always make it a shorter episode and roll with it. And the next week, give you a chance to kind of get prepared as well. So it's not me just firing my opinion at you all night. It's fair. It's fair. Um, but on that note, because there there really isn't much in Yankees camp. Um, I just saw an article come across that was um, what Cashman had to say about like the GM meetings, which I think are going on currently. Either they ended today or 
they started today. I forget. I don't know if it was like the 7th to the 9th or the 9th to 11th. Something like that. Some kind of timing in that regard. Uh, the 9th to the 11th makes more sense. Like a Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Or what would that be? Yeah, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Um, yeah. That makes more sense than a Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. But what do I know? Um, so I haven't read the baseball, article yet. Who knows if conventional weeks. Yeah. I, uh, it's for us. Eight to fivers, you know. <laughs> right. Um, and I'm on vacation this week, so my yeah, you Monday don't is Friday. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so other other than that it's been it's been pretty quiet. Um from the from the Yankees side of things. Um, they also were kind of scavenged a bit um with waiver claims. Uh Andrew Velasquez, who was like the young kid from the Bronx that played a bunch for him down the stretch and like started the playoff game against the Red Sox at shortstop. He got claimed off waivers by the Angels. Uh, Greg Allen got claimed off waivers by the Pirates. Tim LaCastro got claimed off waivers by the Red Sox. Um, And then the Dodgers have already signed a guy. Uh, They signed Andrew Heaney. And somehow Andrew Heaney got eight and a half million dollars for I one know, year deal. Dude, I saw that number. I'm so... like, wonder what's next by that number. <laughs> yeah. Ah, <laughs> uh, so I, if that that's anything, though. yeah, if that's anything, then no team can afford anyone because yeah. there's no way Andrew Heaney should get eight and a half million dollars, in my opinion. Um, but yeah, so it it's really it's really just been like that aspect. Um. As I as I did my kind of roster breakdown, it made more sense because um, even with all of those players leaving, the Yankees currently have 39 guys on their 40-man roster, so there's not a ton of wiggle room. Um, so if they're if they're gonna add pieces, someone's gotta go. Like they have to they have to move somebody out. Um, and there are certainly there are certainly guys that could be parted with. Um, but that's why I think you might you might see guys like be on the 40 man roster. Like I, I I don't know what happens after the Rule Five draft. Like if they can then move guys off of the 40 man roster, um, or if like they have to clear waivers, or if they have to burn an option to do it, you know, or whatever the case may be. I'm not 100% certain all, on all that. But you might see some finagling from there as well. Um, I know there's also like the anyone that's on the 60 day IL doesn't take up a 40 man roster spot during the season. Um, but there's actually like a deadline that in the off season, you have to remove them off of the 60 day IL and place them back on your 40 man roster. Um, I didn't know that I learned, I learned that through my research today with like what teams had to do in the off season. Um, and the Yankees have two guys that'll be on the 60 day IL to start the year. Um, Zach Britton will probably be out all year with Tommy John surgery and Jamison Tyon had ankle surgery at the end of October and it's like a five month recovery time. So, um, he'll be out to start the year for the first probably month or two, but it'll be much more than 10 days. So, um, it'll be. I think he won't reason. I don't. I don't think he'll be eligible to like start pitching again until like close to the end of April, um, and the season starts the end of March, first part of April. So, figure that it takes a month maybe to ramp back up and be good to go. So you're probably looking at like end of May, early June that he's available. So in 60 days. 
Um, so I don't, I don't know what kind of finagling will happen with that, but if the Yankees are going to sign two guys, <laughs> you know, like if they went out where I've been talking about it and I want them to sign, say Rizzo and Seager, someone's got to come off the 40 man roster in order for that to happen. Cause they only have room for one of them. Um, and then MLB.com had a story for, uh, the Yanks interested in trading for, um, Matt Olson. Uh, yeah. Matt Olson. Like, yeah. I saw that as well. So, but Anthony Rizzo would like to return to the Yankees. So, yep. Yeah. Interesting. Gonna so, have some, gonna have some options. Yeah. So I, I don't mind. Freddie Freeman off the table. We know that, right? So, yeah, of, of course, like I would love Freddie Freeman to, to be a Yankee. If he's the one guy they add, I'd be completely on board with it. Um, but the Olsen, the Olsen trade would be interesting because I feel like one of the other things you could try to partner that together with would be bringing in one of their really good young pitchers. Um, like what uh, was like a Frankie Montas or something like that. Um, yeah. Like you could just try to bring in one of those guys. And I think to free up room, you would be able to get creative with your trade. Like at that point, you know, you could try to deal like, all right, like we're going to, we're going to give up, uh, you know, a Sanchez and a Voight. And, you know, so we're, that's how we're going to free up 40 man roster room. Or we'll give you like we're getting Olsen, so we'll we'll give you Voight because we don't have a spot for him anymore. So we'll give you Voight, and then like they they're currently carrying like 21 pitchers on their 40 man roster. So maybe you give up like you know two of those guys that aren't necessarily at the major league level because you're you're probably only going to carry 13 pitchers. So you essentially have eight guys that are pitchers on your 40 man roster that you don't have room for at the major league level. So, by, okay, we'll give you two of them, and we'll get one guy back, and then the A's can do whatever they need to do to figure this shit out. Um, but that's where I'm like, all right, it's like you, you have some depth. Maybe it's time to start trading from that. Um, you know, kind of – I think we talked – I talked about it a bit with, like, the Cardinals doing it with their outfield. That I got, like, at a point in time, now obviously it isn't as much of an issue, but whenever going into the beginning of the year when you had – some some decent sized question marks still with O'Neill, Bader, and Carlson, and it was like okay, O'Neill, Bader, Carlson, Williams, Dean, Lane Thomas, like you had six guys that could conceivably have been in your outfield every day. Um, Edmund was still taking reps out in the outfield, um, you know. So there's like seven or eight names getting thrown around that were viable everyday major league outfielders. Um, and it's like, dude, like just trade like four of them and bring in, you know, fucking like, uh, like, all right, we'll give you, you know, like O'Neal and Bader and Dean for Ronald Acuna, you know, like something like that. Like just, <laughs> you know, just package together. Like here you go. You have a whole new outfield that's capable of starting right now, but we have the best center fielder in baseball. Um, you know, or at the very least, the best center fielder in our right field, wherever Kuna plays, and the National League, the best outfielder. Yeah, well, play the, the yeah. one the one person I would argue that over best player in the league would be Trout, and they just I, I'm pretty sure Kuna's a center fielder. He might be a right fielder though. I don't remember. I felt like Kuna and Betts play different positions. 
And I know Betts plays right field. But either way, you know, some something along those lines. Or like with all of the starting pitching that they had, that it was like, all right, they have like nine really strong candidates to start. Um you know, start for the team, package them up and get like, you know, trade four of them and get two guys back that are, you know, next tier. So you're not as deep, injuries hurt more, but your upside is way better. You know, and that, that's what I felt like, that's where I feel like the Yankees are right now. Um, but speaking of defense... Cardinals. Do what? Are you are you about to give the team some credit or something? Um, I mean, <laughs> should we like be giving them credit or no? I I don't know. I mean, I guess it's do we give them credit or we not give them credit at this point in time. We used to give them credit for stuff they did in the past. This is, I guess, a couple days old, so. True. We're just not giving them enough credit. Um, so I I do think there is. I'm gonna, I'm gonna look this up just to make sure. Um, just to make sure I am correct in this. Really, you're just gonna tell me his position's outfielder. Get the fuck out of here. What what position does he play? All right. Let me go Tell me the exact the position. Yeah, let me go look at their depth chart real quick. Okay, so he they have him listed as a right fielder. All right, so that, that makes me feel a little bit better. Because I was going to say, um, not to take anything away from Bader, um, I think defensively, he he's probably... like. I'm next to Arenado, because I think Arenado is just a freak of nature with what he does at third base. Um, and, we, and we've talked about that a lot before, like when the Cardinals got him. It, yeah. Having seen him play so many games, I, I can't think of but maybe like two or three plays that I'm like, oh my God, that was so impressive. Like, that was amazing. Nobody else makes that play. And I think that to me is what made me understand just how good he is defensively is because he makes so many of the plays that he does make look effortless that you're like, everyone would probably get to that, but in raw reality, they really wouldn't, or it would look like a great play. Cause like, I think Gio Urshela is a phenomenal defensive third baseman and like, there were just like I agree. I there's agree stuff that. that like Arenado would get to that I'm like I don't even know that Urshela would sniff that <laughs> like, like it was just insane and he would make it look effortless a lot of times it was his arm um, I think he throws from like the weirdest angles and positions and it just they aren't even close like he just guns guys out um, so so next to him I He's think a high school quarterback <laughs> right um, I think Bader is really really plus defender um i thought it was only a matter of time before he got a gold glove i thought that it kind of came with the caveat that akuna got injured 
because in my head I was thinking that Acuna was a center fielder, but looking this up, he's a right fielder, and they do give out position. Like, I don't think they do the the three outfielders anymore. I think now they give one to each field. Yeah, it's just not three general outfielders. Right. So it's not like the like it's not three center fielders that win the Gold Glove every year because otherwise that's what it would be because. Right. Like the yeah, third best center fielder is probably better defensively than any of the other two. Otherwise, they would be a center fielder. Right. <laughs> so, um, but no. So, so I've I've always thought that that was Bader's strong suit. Um, and again, in a similar fashion, it he makes it look effortless. Um, he gets such a good jump on the ball. Um. It, it reminds me a lot of like watching Jim Edmonds with him not diving on this, you know, on, on neededly, you know, unnecessarily for a lot well, of because Jim Edmonds wasn't as fast. Right. But Edmonds also that. didn't need to dive. He just liked to like, I'm hmm, pretty sure you could find an entire, you could find a whole, like there's probably a YouTube montage out there of all the times that Jim Edmonds dove after the ball was in his glove. I'm sure it's got to exist. Hmm. But doesn't. Um, Thanks making it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so I think that like there's plenty of times that like being at games or like watching games, like I, I watch hours of baseball a week easily. Like, I don't know, probably 15 to 20 easily a week through the regular season. Okay. Um, so I'm watching a game a night, almost every night or plus, uh, maybe I don't catch all the Yankees game, but I'm usually watching like another game on the West Coast. Forever. A couple of different games. Yeah, like, but I I would say comfortably I'm at like, you know, if you figure one game a night would be about 21 hours, seven days a week, three hours a day, that's where I'm getting that math from. I I would say I'm comfortable in like the the 15 to 20 range, 15 to 21 range, so five to seven games a week probably. So I I watch a decent amount of baseball is what I'm saying. There are plenty Weird of balls. Flex, okay. There are plenty of balls that I see looped out to center field. <laughs> Whoa, dude! How many <laughs> balls do you see? <laughs> plenty, dude. Plenty. plenty. Like in my face, on my yeah. nose. I like, can't wait ball. to have the sound control so I can just <laughs> start flipping <laughs> this shit. Back. Yeah, and I can start having like I can't. I see plenty of balls, <laughs> and then <laughs> for the rest of time, I can drop whatever I want to. Yep. I'll have to. Just don't tell me when you have it, and then these gems will still keep coming out. Right. Um, if, and then we'll have our own uh, not great. It's not lines, great. You know? Like, I've seen balls. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then and then when the Cardinals go into throwing, like, you know, all they do is throw balls, we'll have yeah. a good, you know. Yeah, awesome. I've seen balls. Great. seen plenty of balls. Uh, so much value added. Yeah. You get on its stat. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I have seen – Plenty of baseballs <laughs> looped out into shallow center field or like little, little like broken bat singles that seem like they're going to be trouble or fall in more often than not. Um, or it'll be like some miraculous play from a middle infielder running out, making a grab over their shoulder. And for the Cardinals, I feel like it's quite often like Bader's just there settled underneath. Like it's not yeah. even like a sliding play or a shooter and catch like he's just there. And I, I think it comes from him being able to play in so shallow 
because he has such great read and closing speed on balls going back towards the wall that he he can cheat in so those balls don't drop in in front of him. Mm-hmm. You know, because obviously, like, off the crack of a bat, like you're taught at an early age, your first step should always be backwards, um, you know, because it's easier to, to break in on a ball. So if that's what he does. It's like, if he plays to it, well, I'm going to play shallow, so almost everything is going to go over my head. Now my first step being back should should always be good. Right. It's a good analysis. Um, so yeah, so... Uh, then, you know, O'Neal got vindicated. He won the statistic gold glove in the the shortened year 2020 um, now in a, in a full season, he wins it and back to back, back to back, back to back. Are we in love with Tyler O'Neill now? He's back to back. Are gold gloves enough for him? One year at two eighty, two gold gloves. We ready to sign him long-term five-year deal. Um, Six-year deal. Wrap him up right now. Could you blame him? I mean, no, I mean, I, dollar, so it'll be hard to blame him, but. <laughs> Yeah, I think it would make sense to lock up. I think it would make sense to lock up O'Neal long-term now. Um, there goes some of your money, though. You were already... Yeah. You know, already going to be slim. True. True. That's uh, an excellent conversation, though. Sorry. It, it, it will be an excellent conversation. I do make note of that. Yeah. Um, But I, I think it just goes through, because I, I feel... I don't want to say we knocked him, but I felt like I feel like we put a bigger asterisk on the gold glove numbers than even we did on like the Dodgers winning the World Series. Um, and that likely wasn't a fair comparison. Um, I think yeah. that really I think really that came from like we weren't overly impressed with O'Neill as an outfielder. And it was just like, ah, like he just didn't have that many chances. You know, I like get like, he just made, he made like, he didn't do anything spectacular. He just didn't fuck up any of the easy ones. So statistically from a numbers game, this is where we're at. Like any you know, place left field. Um, so. But I, but I feel like, you know, there were, you know, like there's a, a couple standout plays. Like he made some pretty stellar catches. Um, and some big games late, he made big catches. Um, his arm was significantly better than I think what we've seen in the past. Um, obviously, left field notoriously has like the the worst arm of the group because majority of throws to throwout runners, it's going to be at third and home. Right. So right field tends right. to have the strongest arm. Um, but yeah, I, I think it, it just continued to improve upon where it was. Um, there's also the argument that sometimes gold glove goes to guys based on offensive numbers and it really shouldn't play okay. a part, uh, which obviously, you know, O'Neill did fine with the bat, but again, it shouldn't be relevant just based solely on defense. Um, Ian, I, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I was just saying how much do you think it matters that he's, so he's just as fast as Bader is, but he knows that Bader, you know, has him covered too. Mm-hmm. So if he gets a bad jump or anything, it's not really going to look bad on him because they're going to go, oh, look at that play Bader made. No one's probably going to go. Um, why isn't Tyler O'Neill catching that ball? You know, right. 
So. Um, no, I, I think that that's definitely fair. Um, it is, it's kind of like the same caveat that I have with like why I hope the Yankees don't go after Trevor Story out of all of the shortstops or why I don't think Trevor Story is as good as people make him out to be. Um, offensively, yeah, sure. He'll, he'll be fine. Like his, his numbers aren't eye popping, but they're, they're serviceable good power guy for a shortstop. But a lot of the things that people talked about was like how good he was defensively. But I think what he benefited from was he had Nolan Arenado to his right, his entire career until last year. And I like, I didn't hear anyone talking about how great Trevor Story's defense was this year, but everyone would always bring it up. Like how great the left side of Colorado's infield was and no one talked about Colorado's infield at all this year, you know, with Arenado being gone. Unless it was, man, mm-hmm. Colorado really wishes they still had Nolan Arenado. Can't wait for future Cy Young winner Tony Losey to pay off. Yeah, but um, even we think that Trevor Bauer, or Trevor Bauer, <laughs> Trevor Story. Trevor Bauer's uh, defense also shitty. Yeah. But <laughs> so. Trevor Story, you know, like, you know, was he playing as hard as he possibly could this year? Yeah, uh, maybe not, but I, yeah. but I think that it, I think that part of that, like I think that O'Neill may benefit in that same regard. Like you said, like Bader can get to more in the in left yeah. center. Um, he tends to shade that way because more hitters in baseball are right-handed, and a lot of them are typically pole hitters. Um, you also benefit from Carlson having a decent, like having decent speed in right field, so he can shift, and you're you know, he, he doesn't have to like, it's, it's very rare that if a right-handed batter is going to go opposite field, it's going to be perfectly down the line. It's going to be more in like that right center, you know, to right field aspect, not down the line in the right. So everyone can kind of cheat left. So Carlson and Bader give O'Neill a smaller field that they really have to play. And again, it makes up the difference where like O'Neill gets to that ball on the line where a lot of people don't that drops in for a double or they just chase it into the corner, but O'Neill can get to it. So defensive positioning, I think plays a part and having Bader to your left certainly helps that, that, so that's what I mean by like, I think not that, it, not that story is a bad defensive, you know, defensive player or that O'Neill's a bad defensive player. I don't think you win a gold glove just because Bader's to your left. Yeah. Um, but I think it helps because it allows him to make to get to balls that other guys wouldn't because he's positioned differently because of who's to his left. Yeah. Um, like I, I think Brett Gardner is a plus defender. Um, can't hit to save his life anymore at 38, but he's a plus defender. <laughs> he, he makes Aaron judge a better defender because Gardner can get to more out in the outfield than say like an Aaron Hicks could. I saw a stat the other day. I'm looking it up right now because I don't remember it. But Brett Gardner's career war. Does it say 39? Yeah, it says 39. Did I get that though? Yeah, Brett Gardner career war. Wins above replacement. 39. Seems kind of high for Brett Gardner, no? Um, No, probably I not. I mean... Nah, that's just uh, 
Is that that's not the average though? No, no, no. It's that's his total. I'm pretty sure. So yeah, is that how they calculate that? Not I, the average yeah, I think it, like, season. Yeah, like okay. so. It's not that so, he was at a 39 WAR every year. Yeah, on yeah, average, yeah. it was so over you know the course of I think he's played like 11 seasons with the Yankees. So it's like yeah. a 3.9 WAR. Yeah. Okay. Um, I believe. Yeah. I, believe I feel much better about it now. I feel yeah. much better about it now. Yeah, when the that, data was presented. Uh, it was just like Brett Gardner 39 WAR. I'm like that. Eh. Yeah. So Maybe. I think that that's our career. It's like cumulative. Um. Mm. Mm. Got it. <clears throat> um. But yeah, and then what we? I derailed this one. No, you're good. Um. So what, and then it was the right side of the infield, right? Um, surprisingly, the Cardinals won five gold gloves, and Yadier Molina was not one of them. <laughs> True. Um, and that that's where I think, like, it, like... And who won the gold glove for catcher? Uh, Jacob Stallings, I believe. None other than my catcher for a lot of the year. Jacob Stallings, baby! Uh, I also had him for a brief period of time when... I know. I... Real Muto was I only hurt. picked him up. Yeah, I picked him up because you were talking about him, and then like <laughs> I couldn't find a catcher of my life to put yeah. on it anyway. That's so why I was like, Jacob Solomon's a free agent. Yep. <laughs> yeah, you're welcome. Yeah, but uh, yeah, he won. So you know, Pittsburgh has that shining star now. Um. Yeah. Uh, Edmund Goldschmidt. <clears throat> so I, I think Goldschmidt makes sense. Um, I think, I think a big part of it is who else he had on the infield. Um, again, I, I don't, I didn't look at any stats or anything like that to say like, oh shit, this is astronomically different. I imagine fielding percentage among first basemen. It's pretty much a log jam at the top. Um, I think for Goldschmidt, like, he was, it was less likely for him to drop a ball that I hit him in the glove because he had Arenado throwing to him from third. Um, he had Edmund throwing to him from second. Both are, you know, on the, on the plus side for defenders. Um, Edmund surprised me a bit with his range, especially going uh, to his left, like towards first base. Uh, There's a lot of, a lot of balls that he got to like, diving going kind of back out towards the right field that I didn't think he'd get to. Um, so I, I think that that was probably like the biggest surprise. Goldschmidt winning doesn't surprise me. I mean, he's always been fine defensively. Yeah. Um, but I, I think that really what allowed the Cardinals infield to shine is what the Cardinals pitching staff was set to do is ground balls. Hey, you know, so yeah, pitch your pitch your strength, you know. Right, I I think that it makes a lot of sense. I I think they yeah, were the given, team they wanted. Yeah, yeah, I think they they were given ample opportunity. Um, because to be honest, I mean, like a lot of times that they got killed, it was the pitchers doing it to themselves, like walking guys and giving up home runs, and defense can't help those. Yep. Um, so when the Cardinals were like when they had what what was it June? That was a real bad month. Mm-hmm. Um, when they played like 500 against losing teams for an entire month, it that's what was killing them was walking guys and giving up home runs. Um, 
you know, when, you know, when they went on their 17 game winning streak, like, yeah, the offense showed up occasionally, but it was just guys pitching five to six innings, being efficient, not walking guys and, and going from there. Like just letting the defense do what they were meant to do. Um, and it clearly, clearly it worked out. You know, like I said, man, five gold gloves, first time it's ever been done in MLB history. So I think that that's worth noting on its own. Um, and then of the three positions you didn't win, you have what Molina has like 13 gold gloves or some shit. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. So you have, are you like one of the best defensive catchers in the history of the game? Um, who didn't get one. Yeah. It can't feel bad that like younger guys are winning that over him, you know? But right. still, like, he's throwing people out at a Right, like, he's not... Rate. Yeah, it, it's not like Molina's defensive capabilities have declined significantly, and he's, like, a detriment behind the plate now. Um, again, I, I didn't, I didn't look at anything statistically, but... More agile. But, yeah, I, there, there's never a point in time that I'm like, oh, you know, <laughs> Molina behind the plate cost the Cardinals that game. I can think distinctly of, like, two games that I feel like Kisner being behind the plate cost the Cardinals. Um, that like they're plays that like Molina probably makes either like on a passed ball or a wild pitch that Molina just keeps in front of him because he's done it you know eight hundred fifty five thousand times in his career. Um, but yeah, and then I think uh, we've we, you know we've talked about Carlson before. I think that he's a plus defender. I think that he very likely has a Gold Glove in his yeah. in his career. Yeah. If, if anything, the big detriment to him is that he shares a position with Mookie Betts and Ronald Acuna, who are two of the most dynamic players in the National League currently. Um, so, sorry. Uh, I, I honestly don't even know who won the gold glove for right field in the NL. Um... And I didn't look at the AL at all when it came out. I meant to, but... I know Joey Gallo won a gold glove. Yeah, I saw uh, that. Adam Duvall. Gotcha. So, the, right. so the other Brave. Mm, yeah. I think he played in Cincinnati, but he got traded to the Braves. Like, I know he ended the year on the Braves. Because he was one I of the guys. first for the Marlins. Adam Duvall wins 2021 gold glove. I feel who Miami dealt to Atlanta. Oh, okay, so he came from Miami. I thought it was Cincinnati. Yeah. I was like, I know he ended the year in in Atlanta, unless there's two Adam Duvall's, but Maybe. yeah, cause that's what they were saying is that like him, Salar and Jock Peterson. And I feel like there's one other guy, uh, Eddie Rosario. Like those are like the four guys they brought in at the trade deadline. And it was like the NLCS MVP, the world series MVP. <laughs> like it, like, they were, there was like the saving grace to the Braves going on the run in a one World Series. Spoilers, if, yep. you, if you didn't know. Yeah, but you know, their future is F now because they got none of their picks. All their minor leagues gutted. They, you know, lost top prospects. It's it's a rough seat. It's a rough go over there now, you know. Hey, Atlanta? Yeah. Why don't they have any of their picks? Well, I mean, they traded for, you know, Gold Glovers. Yeah, but they didn't give up anybody. What do you mean? Oh, they didn't. You know this. Oh, they didn't give up anybody. No, you know this. Oh, you know this. 
they don't have to, you you have to sell off your future now. Oh. oh. I get that some teams feel that way, but you didn't. Mm. It was affordable. Yeah, all teams. Not even just ours. All teams. There's always the one team. Like, if you're not the GM that pulls off that move, you know, like, look deeper inside yourself. Yeah. Because it's happening every year to somebody, maybe even to multiple people. It helps, like, you know, them make a, a deeper run. Maybe not always at the Atlanta Braves level. This one's pretty lucky. Um, and Mr., you know, Alex Anthopoulos is uh, making a pretty good name for himself, coming from the Blue Jays and going to the Braves and doing that. You know, maybe not at that level, but, you know, you're never going to be talked about like that if uh, you don't go out and do something. And then, um, who was it? What, the other one they didn't win was shortstop? Yeah, yeah, Paul DeYoung, unfortunately. <laughs> didn't, DeYoung didn't win that one? Are you sure? Yeah. yeah. Um... Yeah, it went to Brandon Crawford. That's right. Yeah, Brandon Crawford. Yeah, and then I, I guess I don't believe pitchers do get gold gloves as well. Uh, and that went to Max Freed of the Braves. Um, but yeah, I five five gold yeah, gloves. Some something to have for that. That's uh, I said um. Best offense is a great defense, and the Cardinals certainly had that. Yeah. Um, as I, I, I certainly think the team was good enough to win the division. Um, just, you know, yeah, people make the argument like, oh, they won 17 games in a row and they still didn't catch the, the Brewers. True, but they also played dog shit baseball for an entire month as well. Um, so they played great for half a month in September. Outside of that, they went like six and seven. Um, I think, the I think they went something like, uh, 23 and seven in September and they won 17 games in a row. So outside of that 17 game win streak, they played below 500 in September. Um, so also worth noting that, but they played, it was, and it was against good teams. It was the bad teams in June that they played. Like they went like 13 and 14 or 13 and 15 or something like that in the month of June. And they played like 22 of their 28 games were against teams with a losing record or something like that. And they played below 500. So let's say they play, you know, they, they play six sixty six baseball there and they, you know, in that month. So they win, they go like 18 and seven or something, and then they play, you know, instead of winning 17 in a row, maybe they go, like, I don't know, 12 and 5 in that stretch. They still end up with right around the same. So, I I think, like, a 90 to 95 win team is what we anticipated out of them. I think they're capable of being there, and I think that that's more than capable of winning the NL Central. <clears throat> um. And then I know we mentioned Carlson. Uh, he is a finalist for another award up for NL Rookie of the Year. So it's possible that he brings in hardware of his own. Um, and then to make the situation the most awkward it possibly can be, 
Uh, Mike Schultz also up for manager of the year in the NL. Um, I'm, I am absolutely blown away by who the finalists are. Um, I guess, I, I don't know. I guess like you could, I guess I would be hard pressed for making an argument on who you would remove. Um, but I, I guess I'm just, I wasn't like blown away by anything that Milwaukee did. Um, yeah. so I'm confused on like what they base it off of. Like it wasn't, it's like it's council's first year there. Um, put 2020 aside. If you go back to Is that 2019, the first division win? uh, since he's been there. No, I don't think so. I mean, I don't know how long he's been there. I, I don't yeah, believe so. Um, but either way, like, is that like, it's yeah, so like, I don't think like Gabe Kapler, like Gabe Kapler being there. Sure. The last full season. So if you go back to 2019, cause I feel like using 2020 numbers is a little rough, but if you go back to 2019, the giants went 77 and 85, they won 107 games and had the best record in baseball in 2021 putting Kapler in there. Sure. Makes absolute sense. Um, you, you gotta have three guys. I, <clears throat> I don't know what it's based off of. Like if it's just based off of regular season, I guess maybe that switches things up, but I don't, I don't understand why you wouldn't put Dave Roberts in there. Um, if you're doing it based on regular season, like, are we going to take something away from him because the team's been there before or anyone could have won 106 games with the team that they put together. I mean, it's not like they didn't overcome adversity. Um, you know, they dealt with their fair share of injuries. Bueller was hurt. Kershaw spent, ex- you know, extended period of time on the IL. Bauer didn't pitch after like the end of June. Um, who was like their highly touted free agent pickup. Um, so I, I, I just don't know what they base the manager of the year award on. Um, I'm trying to see if I can find it's a like look at previous winners, but when I click into it, it only took me to the MVP. That's not that's not what I wanted. We know who won in 2019. Your boy Mike Schilt. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That's because he could be the two time coach for three years, two time NL manager of the year. Yeah, and so it'll be, so, I, so it'll it'll be awkward. I'm, I would have thought like before I realized who the finalists were, I thought Snicker would have been a shoe and at least as a finalist, you know, manager of the Braves, um, doing the same sort of exercise. I mean, like, yeah, they've been close, but no cigar for a while. Um, they faced a ton of adversity with injuries, losing Acuna losing like 80% of their starting rotation. They won the fucking world series. Um, they have guys that are, you know, facing free agency and like Freddie Freeman. Um, they, you know, he had to manage a whole group of guys that weren't there at the beginning of the year. Like they didn't go through spring training together. They didn't build the same repertoire, slid them in, coached them with no problem. They 
stumbled a little bit at the beginning of September, picked it back up, went on a run, won a ring, like I mentioned. I think he's been in the Braves organization for something like 44 years or some shit. Um, like, I don't, I don't know how long he's been managing the Braves. Let's see. Like, how long he's been actual manager. His, like, whole entire life has been spent as a Brave. Uh, yeah, pr- pretty much. Um, let's see. Yeah, because he, he signed a free agent contract with the Braves organization in 1977. <laughs> and then he got released in 1980, remained with the Braves as a roving instructor, and was hired as a manager, uh, a minor league manager for the Anderson Braves in 1982. Um, he also managed the Macon Braves, the Myrtle Beach Pelicans, the Greenville Braves, the Mississippi Braves, and Richmond Braves all in the Braves farm system. Uh, he was the Braves bullpen coach from 1985, uh, in 1985 and 1988 to 1990. Um, a few of his honors during his 15-year run as a minor league manager, winning two championships with the Myrtle Beach Pelicans in 99 and 2000. Um, in those same years, he won Carolina League Manager of the Year. Uh, he was the Braves third base coach from 2007 to 2013 at the MLB level. Um, he left to join the Florida Marlins as manager. Um, when Gonzalez was named Braves manager for the 2011 season after Bobby Cox retirement, Snicker was kept on as third base coach. Um, he became their triple a club manager, the Gwinnett Braves in October, 2013 became the Braves major league club manager in May, 2016. Um, yeah, so he, so he became the full-time manager in 2017, um, and under, under his realm. So he took over 2016. They finished fifth in the NL East. That was the year Freddie Gonzalez got fired like in, uh, May. Um, later that year, they made Snicker the full-time manager, uh, 2017, they finished third in the NL East. They went from um, winning 59. They went uh, 59 and 65 under him in 124 games. I don't know what their total record was, but under Snicker. And then the first full season, they went 72 and 90 um, in 2017 and finished third in the NL East. In the four years since then, they've won the NL East every year. They lost in the NLDS to the Dodgers in 2018 and 2020. Um, They lost in the NLDS to the Cardinals in 2019, and then they won the World Series this year. Yeah, they've been a 90-win team twice. They won 88 games this year. It's like, I, I don't know how this guy isn't up for manager of the year, is what I'm saying. You know... They're just not giving him credit space. Yeah, like I. Yeah, I feel like the uh, like he won I mean, manager of the year in 2018. Baker, like, like Dusty Baker is in manager of the year, and that team recently was in the World Series and won the World Series. 
and that team didn't change much at all. Like, he just took over a good team. And now Dusty Baker's a good manager, but, like, he's seemingly up because, like, he took a team that was in drama to the World Series. Right, know? like, so. they've... They've been in like they've been in the LC like the ALCS five of the last like five straight yeah. years. Yeah, yeah. It's not because like, Dusty Baker was. That's there. like saying Mike like, Matheny was a good manager because the Cardinals made it to the LC the NLCS four years in a row under Matheny. Yeah. You know, or three years in a row under Matheny after they won a World Series, whatever. Yeah, it was. Hall of Fame. Yeah, so it's Hall like Fame cool, Coach great. Matheny. Um. So yeah, so I I think that like. I, I don't know what they're basing it off of, but I feel like Craig Consul is the easy one to remove. Uh, Gabe Kapler, the Gi- again, Giants won 107 games. Seems reasonable. Um, Schilt, Cardinals, you know, the big September with the 17-game winning streak. Cardinals also faced a ton of adversity similar to the Braves. <clears throat> uh, they went on, like, the Cardinals went on an ungodly run. You know, whatever, we all know the story. So I could see you putting Schilt in there. Coaches five gold glovers, maybe the NL rookie of the year. <laughs> right. Like. Um, so I just don't, I don't know what it gets based off of is, is the big sticking point essentially. Um, that it like, is it, is it success? Is it, you know, the hurdles you overcome, the obstacles, you know, whatever. Um, I'm just not certain. So maybe, you know, maybe I'll do a bit more research on it. And we can touch on it some more um, next week, like as they're doing the awards, because I think it'll be like the rookie of the year is Monday, um, manager of the year is Tuesday, uh, Cy Young's Wednesday, MVP's Thursday, and I I feel like the rest of them make make sense somewhat, um, other than manager of the year, because like you said, like the AL. I'm I'm really confused. Like, it it doesn't seem like the AL nominees were there for the same reasons as the NL nominees. <laughs> so, I don't know what the what the criteria is. Um, but yeah, Rookie of the Year. I mean, you have uh, a Rosarena in Tampa Bay, Wander Franco in Tampa Bay, and Luis Garcia for Houston, not the one for the Cardinals. Um, the NL rookie of the year, you have Carlson, Jonathan India, and Trevor Rogers, the starter for Miami, who had probably one of like the, I think like his first half of the year was just phenomenal. Like just unheard of good type numbers. Uh, and that kind of fell off or maybe it was the later half of the year, something like that. But I feel like he, he put together like a, a solid stretch for a while. Um, National League Cy Young, Corbin Burns with Milwaukee, Scherzer with Washington and or L.A., and then Zach Wheeler with Philadelphia. Um, I think all those are reasonable. Um, AL side, you got Garrett Cole, Lance Lynn, and Robbie Ray. Again, I think those are all reasonable. I think Robbie Ray should win it, but... If Cole or Lynn get it, I won't be mad about it. We're a big fan here of Lance Lynn on the interleague. Yep, 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 yep. Um, and obviously, if Cole gets it, sure, earn that $36 million, bud. Um, <laughs> I just, Probably got some I just looked. 
I just looked at the MVP finalists. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so the AL, totally, totally on board. Vlad Guerrero Jr., Shohei Otani, Marcus Simeon. You know, the Marcus Simeon one stings a little bit. Two guys from Toronto stings a little bit. I like that it's two guys from Toronto and Shohei Otani, and none of them made the playoffs. Um, I think... Uh, uh, yeah. So interesting. I wonder if this has ever happened. So the six finalists for MVP, none of them play for a team that made the playoffs. Interesting. Uh, but yeah, so Guerrero Jr., Otani, and Simeon in the AL. And the Simeon one hurts because I was pretty high on like, hey, this, this is a guy that the, like the Yankees could go after you know, to really solidify the middle infield, you know, and we can move Torres back to second and let LeMahieu play first again because, like, Voight was hurt to start the year and they didn't go get him and now he's up for fucking MVP. So, like, you sons of bitches. Robbie Ray, another one that Toronto signed. And and didn't Simeon put up his biggest fantasy uh, week against, year, yeah, against me in a series against the Yankees, yes. It was it was a bad week, dude. I was just I was like, oh my god, this guy is murdering me. Um, but I think the I will go out on a limb and I'm gonna say, do you know who the finalists are for the NL MVP? <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. If you didn't, I was gonna say I'm gonna go out on a limb and say you're rooting for Fernando Tatis Jr. <laughs> yeah, and I don't understand <laughs> how any of them could be the MVP of the. I. I don't know either. I, I still think Donald Kuna should get it if, out of all three of those guys. Yeah. yeah. Bryce Harper, Juan Soto, Fernando Tatis Jr. Yeah. It just blows my mind. Like, I don't – I guess maybe, well, like, I just didn't look. Where did they get him from? I don't know. Because, <laughs> like, I, I don't know what uh, – yeah, I, I just – I don't I don't know what they, like, base it off of, I guess. Um, like, like on the AL side, I think they make complete sense. Like I, I think it should go to Otani just because he was a two way player that excelled at, on both sides of the ball. Um, it's tough to kind of irreplaceable. Yeah. Like he, he had himself a year. I think he earned it. I think he deserves it. Um, if it is, if it doesn't go to Otani, I think it should go to Guerrero jr. Because offensively his numbers were better than Simeon's um whatever but yeah like I don't know like I I don't know what they mean by most valuable player like I I guess the one person you could argue was super valuable to their team out of that three in NL would be Tatis Jr because him getting injured and missing time is likely what led to the Padres falling apart. Yeah. So maybe, you know, you can comb value in that aspect from there. But the only reason why Bryce Harper and Juan Soto got talked about at all on, on our podcast was you hating on them. (laughs) That was it. Um, And don't get me wrong. Like I know Harper had a pretty solid year. Yeah, numbers wise, but the Juan Soto one, like I maybe I just don't, I just don't know. Like maybe I'm 
just being a he had dumb. a better second half of the year after the because uh, he said the the he credited the uh, home run derby to fix his swing and i think he hit like 350 or 360 the second half of the year and like mashed the ball i just had like a turnaround year and he's like the young dynamic like yeah, player, I mean, he hit he the mlb should also be like glorifying the man that on national television was crotch grabbing yeah oh man i he hit he hit 313 29 home runs harper hit 309 with 35 home runs tatis jr 282 with 42 home runs um that led the national league um tatis jr also was third in the league in stolen bases um and he played in 130 games harper played in 141 soto played in 151 so he did more in less games so i i feel like and that argument you know you could go the the route of that but i mean freddie freeman hit 300 with 31 home runs um you know way fewer strikeouts than all of them right held his um, team together more, and the best player in you know, possibly baseball went out. Yeah, I mean, you have Soto did walk 145 times. I think that's like hands down the most. Yeah. Um, Soto walked 145 times. Harper was second at 100. Freeman was third at 85. So cool. Like, yeah, he he did he did walk a lot and he still hit 313 and he had 29 home runs and he so he made it he took advantage of the pitches that came to him the opportunities that he had but there's also no one around him in Washington so it's real easy to to potentially pitch to him when there's no one on base I mean like Washington wasn't a very strong team so are you basing it off of purely statistics because like I I would argue that like Freeman batting 300 with 31 home runs in the lineup that he was in is a bigger deal. Um, him stepping up when Acuna went down was a huge thing. Um, was it even guys like, you know, Brian Reynolds? I mean, he 24 home runs, um, hit 302, slugged 522, 35 doubles, um, 90 RBI, 75 walks. I'm pretty pretty decent numbers um you know i said top 10 in walks um where did he finish um what was i just looking at oh that's what i want to see his ops um yeah sixth in the league and ops like on base plus playing slugging percentage and he played for the pirates it's like, did he get MVP consideration? Like, there was um, literally no one else on that team. Um, the one other saving grace he did have got traded at the trade deadline to San Diego. And Adam Frazier. So I, it just, it's weird to me that Harper and Soto are the only ones that are up there. I feel like it's it's more of, like, the names that come with it. Like, they're just flashy or, like, all they looked at was like OPS because they just happened to be first, second, and third in the National League. Oh, maybe I figured out the secret. Guerrero Jr. and Otani are one and two in the American League. Marcus Simeon's tenth. He ruined it all. But 
and I, I feel like even in in that like you know so Simeon yep 45 home runs 102 RBIs hit 265 um 15 steals yeah you know, decent slugging 538 OPS 873 like Salvador Perez 48 home runs 121 RBIs uh, 273 batting average <laughs> played for the lowly Kansas City Royals you know whereas Marcus Simeon batted in the Masters row that is Toronto's lineup you know um, yep Simeon played in 162 games good on him at shortstop Perez played 161 games as a catcher I don't know that he I don't know that they were in the field for all of them. Um, obviously both teams play in the AL, so they could have had DH games. I'm sure Perez DH some nights and wasn't catching, but still healthy enough to be in the lineup for all but one game and tied for the league leading home runs. Like it, it just, it's, it seems weird. Nah, dude, Bryce Harper, way better option. Yeah. Name value, dude, they'll sell that a little bit more. And, and like I say, it's not to take anything away from him, but I mean, even like Goldschmidt, I mean, 31 home runs, 99 RBIs, 294 average, won a gold glove. You know, like I, it's just, I feel like you could make an argument. I, I'm, I'm honestly underwhelmed quite a bit with the MVP choices in the NL. And maybe I'm just biased because I don't really care for Juan Soto as well. Um, Harper definitely doesn't rub me the wrong way in the same way that he does you. Uh, I think he's made some some douchey decisions in in his career, but Juan Soto is definitely worse, in my opinion. Well, oh, dude, people are freaking out. Freddie Freeman posted on his Instagram a picture of him. And said, you know, Braves country, thank you for the incredible memories. The support you've shown me means the world to me. Champions forever. Oh, people are like, no, please come back, Freddie Freeman. <laughs> so I will say that I think Freddie Freeman is maybe one of the classiest guys in the MLB. Like, yeah. and, and maybe it's just because, like, he gets, like, they got the coverage of, like, just shit that went down and his opportunity that presented itself with the Braves going on a run. Um, but I would say like when, when I think of like just really classy baseball players, um, it, it like for me, it always was kind of like a head, head above everybody else. And again, it might've just been exposure, but it was Adam Wainwright, um, was always up there. And now like Freddie Freeman, I feel is right there. It's like, I don't know, I don't know how much has made it across its way to you. Um, but Freeman like openly, said like he was rooting for the Dodgers to beat the Giants um, because the, with the Dodgers being the wild card, they got home field advantage and the NLCS. So games one and two were in Atlanta and it allowed him to go see his son play little league. Whereas if mm-hmm. they, if San Francisco would have won, they would have had to go to San Francisco and he would have missed it. And then he was rooting for Houston to beat, um, Boston 
because it would mean like if Houston won, then Houston would have home field advantage for uh, the World Series, and Halloween for the the time frame of Halloween they would be at home for games three, four, and five. They would be in Atlanta. Whereas if Boston had won, they would have been on the road for Halloween, and he wanted to be able to go trick-or-treating with his son. Um, and there was a video of them out <laughs> trick-or-treating, and they just, like, passed another kid that was dressed as Freddie Freeman for Halloween. And so Freddie Freeman, like, stopped him and, like, got a picture taken with him <laughs> because the kid was dressed. He's like, he's like, hey, are you me? <laughs> and it, it's just, like, a cool, like, wholesome clip that it was like, hey, like, yeah, I, I don't I don't care that the Dodgers are maybe the better team or they've been here before and like we've had trouble with them in the past. But like if if they win, it means I get to do things with my kid and I won't I may not get another opportunity to do that. Like I trust that I'm gonna have another chance to to beat this team. Like I'm we're good enough to beat anybody. So give me the team that allows me to spend time with my kid because I can't get these years back. Like yeah. that, that to me, I was like, that's above and beyond the game. Yeah. You know, like that's a, a classy dude. So I'm like, good on him. Now come be a Yankee, bro. <laughs> now, <laughs> now you've, you've been a great person. Now cash side. in your payday and come to the dark side. <laughs> like let us, uh, let us pay you. You know, you can be the third person on our team making $30 million a year plus. Um, Cause I'm a firm believer, you know, and again, we can get more into this next week, but, but with the article that has come out so far about the hot stove stuff where the Astros have offered Carlos Correa, like $32 million a year. And apparently he is not interested. Um, I don't think the Cardinals are getting, uh, getting one of the big name shortstops. No. Cause I do not foresee like, I, I don't know what everyone else will be looking for, but if Correa is going to try to demand like something similar to like what Francisco Lindor got, which just set the price point in a market astronomically high for that position, and then him to have the year that he did, to have everyone kind of shy away from it. Whew. Um, but I think Lindor got like $340 million over 10 years. And apparently Correa is looking for something similar and like a 10 year, you know, time frame, like 10 years, 300 million, something like that. And I just don't, I don't foresee the the Carl saying it all. It's like, if that's what Correa is going to demand, Simeon's up for MVP. Like he's having a better year. Um, Both of them play in hitter friendly ballparks with an all-star lineup around them. But don't let that fucking fool anybody. Shit. Trevor Bauer turned his NL Central-esque, you know, NL AL Central Cy Young into $40 million a year with the dumbass Dodgers. Uh, MLB trade. Go ahead. MLB trade rumors has Carlos Correa going for 10 years, $320 million. Um, Two people have him going to the Tigers. One person has him going to the Phillies. Yeah, so that's another interesting thing. I, I heard that the Tigers could be, like, big suitors for him. Um, and he could go and be like the the face of the franchise type thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and oddly enough, there's one other like veteran that has been linked to them pretty heavily. Um, and even Verlander himself has said that he is not yeah. opposed to going back to Detroit, uh, that he kind of like grew up in that city. 
Um, he thinks it'd be a great place to retire, like finish out his career. Like, man, like that could be. Yeah. The other player that the other player that MLB trade rumors has links to is the number who they're rating. The number two free agent is Corey Seager having him sign a 10 year, $305 million deal. All three people Yankees. (sighs) Hurts my heart. Yeah. I mean, it's not my money to do what you want. I that's just not the guy I want him to spend three hundred million dollars on. Like if they're gonna drop three hundred million dollars on somebody, I want it to be Freddie Freeman. Yeah, they have Freddie Freeman making six years, one hundred eighty million, and that's two people: the Braves, one person: the Red Sox. Dude, if Freddie Freeman goes oh to my the Red God. Sox, I'll, man, I, I'll be so mad. Especially if it's six years, one hundred and eighty million, and in the meantime, the Yankees signed Seager to a ten-year deal. Oh my God! Uh, like even just thinking about it makes me makes my heart hurt. And again, like, like I six don't years two ten. You know, let's wrap this up. Yeah, like I uh, and and don't get me wrong, like it it's a fuck ton of money. Sure, it is a gross amount of money. No, no denying that at all. But it's not my money, so I don't really give a shit. Um, right. no, I'm no not figure. like when when I when I speak to like oh they're overpaying, I don't mean in a literal sense. Like no no one should be worth that because yeah, professional athletes probably don't need to make thirty million dollars a year. Um, but whatever, people are willing to pay them that make more money than me. So yep. that's the value. It is what it is. That's not what I mean when they're overpaying. I mean, in in the vacuum that is Major League Baseball, it is not value. Um, and I, I'm also well aware that the Yankees, their money really isn't bound by anything because there's no hard salary cap. But the Yankees do consciously make efforts fairly often to try to reset penalties under that $210 million threshold. If they have three guys on the books that are making $30 million plus a year, it'll become increasingly difficult to do that. Um, so I think Stan's actually at 29, but Cole's at 36 million a year. Um, you have judge who like with estimates, I think they're expecting him to be upwards to like 17 or 18 million a year in his final year of arbitration eligibility. So I don't think he'll get 30 million a year, but he he's going to be 20 plus. Um, so if you have, you know, Cole at 36, Seager at 30, Stan at 29, and Judge at 20, 25, mm-hmm. you know, you're you're looking at like you have 90 million dollars to fill out the other 22 roster spots on your team. It you're you're handcuffing yourself quite a bit um if you're ever going to try to reset that threshold um i do think there's a possibility i don't know that there'll be a salary cap but i think there might be a salary floor that comes into play with this cba um i think that it would i think it would go a very long way towards kind of riding the ship um that if they could start there like players just have to be at a certain level um it would make some of these teams. It would make this offseason immensely better because some of these teams immediately would have to start spending some money, and it would shake up the, you know, the Corey Seager is just guaranteed to go to the Yankees. Right. Uh, maybe yeah. maybe not some of those players, but like 
there would be some movement into some lower market teams and Correct. it wouldn't just be like the tigers who are like finally probably out of the miggy contract and they're like oh we got some money coming up Looks right. like okay. is our, uh, we can guy. we can sign this one big player for 10 years and then that's it every poster ever that we ever put out yeah like we can't do anything else after that until you know this guy's contract's up so hopefully he brings in championships and we draft really well um yeah so so i definitely think that there are there are aspects that can come to an agreement that could change for the betterment of the league um i just think that the owners and the mlbpa are incapable of of negotiating in good faith um which i know seems like a shitty term or a hot button topic from everything that happened with the covid stuff um but really that that's what that's what needs to happen um i i think that really probably what would be best for the game is there to become a salary cap that is tied to revenue um so the more money the game makes the more money players can make um but yeah, I, I think that a salary floor would be a good positive first step. Um, I, I think that the universal DH is something that needs to be negotiated in. Um, I, I would imagine that like, I just, I don't know. I don't know enough of what I think the players would want um, or what the owners are, are arguing for. Um, but the salary floor would definitely, and again, I, I don't think it would be a, a um, instantaneous like, okay, you need to be at this level now. It would be like, all right, well, here, here's where there's going to be a salary floor. Here's where there, you know, there's going to be a salary cap. There are going to be no penalties, but you need to be there in five years. So like, this is, this is going to be a down the line or like, maybe there's like thresholds that you gradually need to move to like, Right. All right, this is where things are. But I also don't imagine that a salary cap would exist at where it's currently at now. I would imagine, because like the $210 million is luxury tax threshold one. Um, like it's the most minimum payment that you can get. And that luxury tax payment, like it isn't, it isn't inexpensive. It's 20% of the amount you go over the 210,000 or 210 million. So like the Yankees, for example, where they were at 230 million, that 20 million that they went over, they're paying an additional 20% on for nothing. Like it's just extra tax. And the more years consecutively that you're over that, the higher the percentage comes. And that rich people don't pay taxes bags. That's what you're missing. <laughs> well, yeah, in normal sense, they don't pay taxes, but it's not like they're paying taxes to the government. It's just, they're paying extra money into MLB and where that money goes and what they do with that money that I don't know. So maybe in that's that regard, it is like taxes. <laughs> yeah. So maybe yeah. in that regard, it's like There's, taxes. Is it grass? MLB's got you. Right. Like just use that luxury tax money. Get every, every team should have a bullpen cart. You know, it could be electric powered. So they reduce their carbon footprint. Yep. Um, yeah. So, so I don't know. I don't know what the what the sides will be asking for, um, and that that's what will be like on the docket, you know, as we lead up to it. We'll see, like, if we can find out. Hopefully, we'll know more. Um, so, like, so let's let's assume we record on Mondays. 
it's like the 15th it'll be Cardinals, the 22nd will be the Yankees, the 29th it'll be the CBA deep dive if nothing has come to an agreement yet. Obviously, if something spins up before then and there's tons of changes, maybe we shift some shit around. Um, but, yeah, but really, none of these big deals are going to break. The Andrew Heaney's, the $8 million, like those, that honestly even still confuses me pre CBA, just because, like, again, to your point, like, Andrew Heaney wasn't worth $8.5 million in the first place. And then, like, why did you go and commit that money? Like, that's yeah, just the Dodgers, dude. Andrew they don't, Heaney. they don't care. Like, they're, they're going to be on the hook for $41 million or whatever it is for Trevor Bauer, who's not going to pitch for him all year. Um, bad. Yeah, just looking through the agenda, we did we did have um, in terms of rumors. The only other one I made note of is apparently Chris Bryant has been pretty heavily linked to the Mets. Be a good dumpster fire to send him to. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Even, dude, even players have to be like, man, dumpster fire. <laughs> yeah. So I forget who it is. I forget his name. I could probably look it up real quick. Um, just came out and said... He could play some <laughs> baseball. Ah, Pause. Jeez. Uh, <laughs> Today on MLB.com. <laughs> We're just having you. Uh, yeah, something like that, basically. Uh, like, whatever, like, the, the first... Um, uh, Sandy Alderson, mm-hmm. um, basically came out and was like, yeah, like no, no one wants to sign to be our GM. Like not cause of like Cohen or anything like that, but like just New York, like the spotlights on you, it's the big stage. Like a lot of people wanted to take positions to go elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, with the, you know, talking about the team's open GM spot, but didn't they just hire in a new GM recently? Well, yeah, they hired in a new GM after they fired their other one for, like, drinking and driving or something. Yeah, because yeah, I, I know they just fired somebody. Wasn't the guy that got fired? Isn't that mm-hmm. um, your, yeah. your your boss's buddy? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, so was he the GM? I thought he was, like, something else. No, he's the GM. And that and that's who they brought in shortly after Cohen got hired, or not, uh, not, after... not after Cohen got hired after Cohen bought the Mets. I don't I don't know if that's what you call it when you buy a company. I got hired. Uh, <laughs> I got hired to the Mets. I own them now. Yeah, after no, they brought him in shortly. After, he was already in the organization, but he took over after they fired um, the guy before him. And wasn't wasn't that guy also fired over some like controversial shit? Yeah, for like drinking, like uh, drinking and driving, leaving like uh, I think like Steve Cohen's party. To be honest with you, um, and then maybe he did some other shit too. No, wasn't wasn't yeah, that this got, guy? What? No, wasn't this? This wasn't the like I thought that was the oh, guy that wait, just no, got fired. That guy. he like he yeah. left Cohen's party like yeah. in Connecticut or like yeah. drove to yeah, Connecticut. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and yeah. that's like. He like either got pulled over in New York and left Cohen's party in Connecticut or vice versa, but was like over the limit and drove like multiple states. <laughs> um. Yeah, because Sandy Alderson's the GM. Yeah. No, I thought he was the like team like the like 
Hobo? Yeah, like the president of baseball operations or whatever. That's what I thought. Or maybe even just like the team president. Kind of like what, uh, what is it? Randy Levine is for the Yankees. Yeah. Let me see. Yeah, he's just like, I don't know what he does, but he's just like president okay. of the New York Yankees. So last season, the Mets hired GM Jared Porter and assistant GM Zach Scott after they couldn't find a president of baseball operations. Yeah, and Zach Porter Scott was fired that's, a month that's, later. That, that's his boy. Yeah. Porter was fired a month later when it was discovered that he had sent inappropriate text messages that's right. to a female reporter during his time with the Cubs, and Scott took over as acting GM until getting arrested on suspicion of DWI on August 31st. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, yeah the, the dick pics. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah like, what, so it's like, man, like, I get it. Like, I I think that these decisions are both fireable offenses, you know. Um, would, would every organization make that decision? No. Um, you know, some organizations, DUIs are acceptable. As long as you have a World Series ring to get yourself out of it. You got a ring, son. <laughs> you got have a ring, son. Shit. Um, <laughs> but, but yeah, like, so for for all this to come out and be like, yeah, like people just can't, people just can't handle it. Like they're not cut out for for New York. It's just like, dude, yeah, like, you know, stop hiring shitty people. Um. You know why? Why did you guys cut ties so adamantly with Carlos Beltran? Like, is he not interested anymore? Like, do you not want to give him a shot? Yeah, um, Obviously, you're okay hiring those guys. I mean, yeah. Like, so what? What's the difference with like a GM versus your your manager? You know, like I'm I'm not saying like bring in Carlos Beltran as your GM, but I'm saying that like. Yeah, like you like why do you have to distance yourself from everybody that has one little black mark on their record? Um, yeah, like maybe maybe vet it a little bit better. You know, and the the first one, Porter, I can understand like that isn't really a little black mark, but I I don't know that a DUI is like the end all be all. So it's like may, maybe like there are other steps that you could put towards this now. Not to say that, like, Zach Scott was the answer anyway. It was more of, like, an interim position that he was in there, and he fucked that up. So maybe he was on a shorter leash because they, like, weren't hell-bent that he was the answer anyway. Um, But I just, I don't, I don't know. Like, I I feel like it it has to be something. I'm like, I don't care. Like, the, sure, the Mets situation right now is an utter dumpster fire. I'll put my fucking resume in right now. Yeah, dude. That's what I was thinking. Like, maybe I should just put in my resume. Yeah, like nobody how... wants it. I mean, yeah, like you're, you're gonna say that like people aren't applying. Anything. Like, come on, yeah. man. Like, I could understand like some companies Let's see if it's on like uh, online or something. Yeah, like, I I could understand like you know if Walmart came out and they're like, hey, we ask that you return the carts to the door, you know, to back in the store rather than leaving them out in the cart pickup. Because we're understaffed, we can't get anyone in to come in and pick up cards. Because that job sucks. You know, if if you're listening and that's what you do currently, I'm sorry. As a teenager making, you know, minimum wage, sure, cool, yeah, I get it. But if you're going to tell me that like you can't find someone willing to be the general manager of the New York Mets, you're fucking smoking drugs, dude. I don't even know what kind of drugs. Just drugs in general. 
Like that in the Mets. I can't I can't believe that. Like sure, maybe you're looking for like that ideal candidate, that perfect candidate. You know, like your Goldilocks in the situation, but dude, like just just bring someone in and get shit going. Like you have an and ungodly have amount of players. money. Yeah. yeah, and you have gr- and you have good players. Like you have Jacob Degrom, like arguably the best pitcher in baseball when right. Pete Alonso, you have Thor. Like yeah, getting him back. You brought in Lindor. You brought in James McCann. Even out. Yeah, yeah. McCann will probably bounce back. Yeah, like they they do. Like they have. um, You got a squad. Yeah, was it like uh, Michael Conforto is there? Yeah. Um, Yeah, and if you need an outfield, the Braves are losing all of their all-star outfielders. Yeah, you just watched them win a World Series. If you need an if you need an outfield, go go buy one. Like that's the blueprint there for that. Yeah, like so, just sign fucking Adam Duvall and Jock Peterson and Jorge Solar. Yeah, be done with it. I not I don't think any one of them can play center field. Maybe Peterson can play center field. I mean, as long as you um, get the pro missiles on, dude, Peterson can do whatever he wants. Yeah, like, but I I and feel then like they, over to New York. Yeah, I feel like they have they gotta have at least oh. one good outfielder there, right? Cohen, hit up, the, good. hit up the interleague. Can can the president of baseball operations literally just be the interleague? And every week we'll just produce a show that tells you what to do. Hmm? Yeah, like we'll GM, like we'll we'll GM and we'll manage your team. Yeah, like we'll, yeah, we'll hold we just, down both slots. Don't worry. Yeah, we'll just put up W's, dude. Like I can tell yeah. you, like I'm capable of not making the playoffs. I'm good enough to miss the playoffs. I can assure <laughs> you of that. Right. I if history has anything on my side, you know, I might be able to limp in. You know, if yeah, Matheny like, makes a playoff game, I'm gonna say I can. Yeah, like if you if you have an opening, man, hit me up. We can we can talk. I I will be the lowest paid GM in all of baseball. Hmm. Yeah, but we'll change the game. Uh, it's wild that uh, no one wants to go there. Oh, so uh, what I also didn't get to on this, I don't know if I'm backtracking, but on the the MLB trade rumors, 50 MLB free agents with predictions. So out of the top 50 free agents that they ranked, the Cardinals were only linked to two players, and not by everybody, but in general, only linked to two players. Guess what players those are? <clears throat> So it's the top 50 ranked free agents. Yeah. So like, so I feel like I, so I feel like I might, that might hinder me. My first guess, I'm going to say Albert Pujols. No. Okay. I wasn't certain if he would be considered in a top 50 or not. I will say you're in the ballpark of how old Albert Pujols is. (laughs) Um, Nelson Cruz. No. Damn. Pablo Sandoval. (laughs) <laughs> no. <laughs> um. All right. So he's an older player, and you said there's two. Yeah, there's two. Yes. Yeah. So are they Are they players. both old? They're both old. All right. Um. John Lester. No, he wasn't. I don't think he was a top fifty, but we're probably tied to him. <laughs> okay. J. A. Happ. No, I don't think he was a top fifty, but we're all right. Tied. All right. 
Okay, I'm gonna need a hint then. What positions and do they, they are play? pitchers? All right, that's what I'm saying. Are they pitchers or non-pitchers? All one right, so starter, pitchers. one reliever. One starter, one reliever, and they're both older. Um, is the starter a left-handed pitcher? Oh, um, I don't think so. All right, so my next guess is gonna be Rich Hill, but no. All right. He uh, recently said that he would like to continue pitching, but maybe in the NL. Zach Greinke. Zach Greinke. Okay. All right. That's not the terrible. That's not terrible. Yeah, the other one. The other one is a closer. Um. And played pretty well this year. Played pretty well, and he's a free agent. Um. Did he pitch in the NL Central at all last year? Um, did he pitch in the NL Central last year? No. No. Free agent. No, last year he pitched for the current World Series champion. This year he pitched for the San Diego Padres. And he's a reliever? Mm-hmm. And he's old. And he's old. I'm he's been in like, like 13 years. I'm assuming by like old, you mean like 38 plus. Yeah, he'll be he'll be 37. He's coming up on 37. Oh, okay, okay. Not that that's fine. That's negligible. I wouldn't know. Like, oh, this guy's 38, but no. that's just what I was thinking of when I when yeah, 13 years in the bigs. He veteran player. And he pitched for San Diego yeah. and the Braves before that. Yeah. Also feel, spent some time in the Yankees. I feel like this Pittsburgh, should be. Giants. Who was the closer for the San Diego Padres Banks? Oh, fuck. It just dawned on me. Mark Melanson. Melanson. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I was like, I had him. Who was it? But I traded him. <laughs> Who was he? Can't remember yeah, so his name two, now. Mark Melanson. The two players that they linked us to are the two old guys, you know. So that's just our mo. We just take an old guy. So, but. so again, like I, not bad position. I don't. They're both still doing all right. Yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to dig in too much because we'll go down a rabbit hole and we're and we can do that next week right and we're we're sitting at like an hour 35 right now so yeah, yeah, yeah. i don't want to go too much sure. but i don't i don't disagree with with the mindset of where they're at but uh the i as with everything the caveat comes with depending on what the deals are because if they were able yeah. to get like grunky on like a one-year seven million dollar deal that's a fucking steal yeah. so yeah jump all over this that is a... But, this they have him at a one year fifteen million dollar deal. Which I also don't think Lanson, is that bad. And Martin Lanson at two years fourteen million. Fourteen million per or fourteen million total? It's like seven it million. It just says per. it just says two years fourteen million. Okay, then um, I would assume that means total because I think when you looked yeah, at it for so like Lindor, it was like or for Correa, it was year, like ten years three hundred and five million. Yeah. yeah, so obviously that's not three hundred and five million a year. Yeah. Um, if yeah. someone signs for three hundred five million a year, I will murder them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna be related to you too. Yeah. Um. But yeah. So, 
So I'm not, I don't know if I care about the Grinky deal or not. And I'm just not sure how I, like the Mark Melanson deal, like at face value, it seems better than the ones we've signed in the past. But we just really haven't been having like um, the most extreme um, success in signing like relief pitchers uh, and them doing very well um, recently. Uh, most of our relief pitchers have been doing the ones that have been doing well, at least for like in that closer spot. Um, I guess minus Gallegos, um, or I guess just really the bullpen in general, like the big ones that we paid. Uh, what's his face? Uh, that he came over from like Toronto or something. Uh, oh, what was his fucking name? Brett Cecil. He was like, yeah, Brett Cecil. He was on the Cardinals for like all of like ten minutes. Um, well, he was hurt a lot. He was on the Cardinals for like three or four years. He was just hurt for a majority of the time. And when he was healthy, he was getting lit the fuck up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All he around bad stud. He was a stud coming from Toronto. Like, it was a great signing. Like, yeah, I, yeah. I was even a fan of it personally. I was like, yeah. man, this is a stellar bullpen yeah. piece. Yeah. Um, and then it just Andrew did Miller. not work out. Andrew Miller was another one. Andrew yeah, Miller, and when he was fan. a Yankee, and then when they traded yeah. him to Cleveland, he was unhittable. Yeah. See, and that's what I'm saying. At face value, it doesn't seem horrible, but like that just that type of deal hasn't so it shouldn't scare you away from it, but it it does a little bit for me, especially in the closer role where I'm like the the closing role in in the St. in St. Louis is the death of a player. Like we can't you're good as a closer and then you fall off the face of the earth. That is the cycle in St. Louis and has been since, um, Isringhauser left. Um, and we went through plenty just like that. You're good for one year and then you're dog shit, everything past that. So it's just, I don't know. So in the Grinky deal, I don't know if I'm like, again, we can get into this next week, but I had him in fantasy this year, so you know there was weeks where I was like, "What the fuck is happening?" Yeah. So, um, so yeah, we definitely, definitely can dig into it next week when we dig into the Cardinals. Um, I definitely want to mention. So, part of what we talked about, they did make one signing so far. They brought back T.J. McFarland, one year, two and a half million dollars. Um, yep. Seems reasonable. I would anticipate there's a strong possibility that they bring back Luis Garcia in a similar manner. Um, you know, one year, two and a half million, something along those lines. Um, that's well, why I think that like Melanson would be a less likely candidate, um, which again, we'll, we'll get into more next week. I know we've said that a lot, but I promise I have <laughs> so much information when I did these deep dives. Well, it, with the, with the TJ McFarlane one, it fits the St. Louis mold. Anyway, he was like the, the ninth, uh, he was, I think he finished ninth in ground ball percentage last year in baseball. Yeah, wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, uh, so it was. It's just you know, that's just Ali Marmol, you know, using them, using that front office advanced analytics department to his advantage. You know, <laughs> like, hey, guys, we need to keep him. Look, the analytics say that he's the ninth. We got five Gold Glovers on this team. We need ground balls. Um, and then the Cardinals did hire their new bench coach and bring Skip Schumacher skip, back skip, to the Cardinals. Skip, skip, skip. Yeah, I mean, I'm also indifferent about this one, I think. 
Yeah. So the only the only thing it's again, a I a celebrity hire for me. Yeah, but, I haven't yeah. read a whole whole bunch about it or whatnot, and I don't really know full on what his role was in San Diego. Um, Kurt has I think their existing hitting coach or something. I thought. Yeah. So so how Kurt, what Kurt told me he had read or maybe heard or his understanding, whatever. I don't I don't remember exactly how he phrased it, but that Schumacher had a lot to do with their running game. And the aggression level that they had, because we applauded fairly often how often San Diego took advantage of it. So yeah, if that is true, and Schumacher does come in and preaches that change in philosophy, that being aggressive on the base pass is a positive, and yeah, continues to drive that home, then I think it'll he'll be a huge impact. With that being said, we said it here first. We've been saying it for years now since the show started that stealing bases is the most successful play on offense in baseball. And it's something that the Cardinals did a great deal of starting in September when they yeah. went 23 and seven. I think they also stole like three or four bases off the Dodgers in that wild card game. Just no one could hit the ball yeah. to drive them in. Tommy Edmonds, Tommy Edmonds stole a base every time he was on, every yeah. time he was on. Um, so it, if he can, like, I don't want to say that Schumacher is going to be the game changer. I honestly feel like Schiltz started to adjust that when he was here. Um, prior to him leaving, it was an adjustment they made as a team and turned the season around. That all happened under Schiltz's watch. And thus it was Schiltz being like, I don't want to run. And Mosellock was like, Mike, you need to have him run. I'm not going to do there's it. No, there's no way the book, the book that the book that he carried around talked about stealing bases, playing good defense and stealing bases. Yeah. Okay, I, was, so the I, Cardinal way was good defense and steal bases. Yeah. It's whitey ball. Like it's, yeah. it's been around forever. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's so, the expectation. Yeah. So I don't, so that's, so that's what I'm saying. It's like, I, like, you know, unfortunately philosophical differences again, that yeah, hot yeah, button yeah, term, yeah, no one will yeah, ever probably know what that means. Um, but I just wanted to be on record that with Skip Schumacher being here, and if he was involved in the game plan on the base pass for the San Diego Padres, and then in turn, the Cardinals start to steal more bases, this success started and the groundwork was laid for this group of Cardinals in September 2021 under Mike Schilt. Fuck what anybody else says. This is not a new repertoire based on this new coaching staff. Yeah. Well, the haters will just be like, well, that was Ali Marmol really taking over the team at the end of the year. You know, they sure. knew that Chill was on the way out. Yeah, they can say whatever they want, and I'll tell them they're facing their an idiot. Um, but not. I'm I'm with you. I I don't I don't think that he's like terrible. Like, could there be worse things? Yes. Um, but sure, yeah, he'll he'll be loved. He'll have the respect of you know the veteran players that are there. I think it'll be a good changing of the guard. Um, I think he can assist Marmol quite a bit. Um, Skip will have the fans on his side easily. He was always a fan favorite here. Um, I feel like anyone that previously wore a Cardinals jersey is a fan favorite here, especially yep. if you're white. Um, so we'll so we'll see. 
Um, I, I don't think it'll hurt them. I don't think it's like the reason why they're going to win a World Series isn't going to be because Skip Schumacher is their bench coach. Um, but good on them. It feels good. Um, so I have like three more things, but they're all pretty much just listing things off. Um, so one thing I forgot to mention about Brian Snicker, which I think is an amazing story. Um, apparently his son is in the Astros organization as like their assistant hitting coach. Yep. So they were on opposite sides of that. Um, and I forget, I forget who it was. Um, I feel like one of the players or maybe, or maybe it was like somebody that used to play for the Braves or whatever that gave a shout out to Snicker that it was like, uh, from like my, my former, you know, good luck to my former manager or my former bat boy or something like that. Um, cause I guess like, you know, obviously his son was the bat boy at times when right. he was coaching. I forget who it was that did it, but I thought it was cool that like they were father and son on opposing sides. I, I feel like Thanksgiving this year would be, would be very interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, on a, on a separate note, um, I just wanted to run down real quick. So the qualifying offers have been submitted. Teams have made those offers Players have till November 17th to decide if they're going to accept them or not. Um, it's a one-year deal worth $18.4 million. Um, if a player didn't play, like if, if they changed teams at any point throughout the year or they weren't on the team for a full year, um, they are not eligible for the qualifying offer. Um, also, if they have ever been offered a qualifying offer at any point in their career in the past, whether they accepted it or declined it, they are not allowed to be offered a qualifying offer again. I didn't know that. I thought it was if they were offered one last year, they couldn't be offered another one. Um, but if you've been offered one, you can never be offered one again. Um, and then obviously if a player is offered qualifying offer, they don't accept it and they sign elsewhere, the team they left is compensated with a draft pick. So something to keep in mind for some of these guys, uh, cause they're relatively big name players. Um, so, um, Rizal Iglesias, the closer for the Angels, um, the Astros offered to Carlos Correa and Justin Verlander. Blue Jays made offers to Robbie Ray and Marcus Simeon. Uh, Freddie Freeman got one. Corey Seager, Chris Taylor, Brandon Belt, Noah Syndergaard, Michael Conforto, Eduardo Rodriguez, Nick Castellanos, and Trevor Story. Um, so if any of those players sign... Um, if they decline a qualifying offer and they sign with another team for at least $50 million, um, then they get, uh, I think they, it's like, if it's more than 50 million, they get one pick. Um, and if it's less than 50 million, it's like a different, a different pick. Like, I think it's competitive round, competitive balance round a, or uh, competitive balance round B. Um, round A follows the first round. Um, or, or so I think so. It's like the first round, competitive balance round uh, A. The second round, competitive balance round B. Um, 
And I think if they sign for more than 50 million, like if their new contract is more than 50 million total, this is for all of them. Then the team gets a pick after the first round, but before competitive round balance round a, um, and if it's for less than 50 million, they get an additional pick after competitive ra- balance round B. So it's like first round, balance round A, second round, balance round B. More than 50 million, it's after the first round. Less than 50 million, it's after competitive balance round B. Or some shit. Super crazy. I don't know how they came up with this. This is the type of stuff that I imagine could go away in the CBA. <laughs> but. Um, some of the names for players that either didn't or were ineligible, um, like Alex Cobb, Dexter Fowler, Zach Greinke, Brett Anderson, Kenley Jansen, Scherzer, Kevin Gossman, Marcus Stroman, Ian Kennedy, Nelson Cruz, David Robertson, Wade Davis, Greg Holland, Irvin Santana, um, Kendall Graveman, Josh Harrison, Starling Marte, all of the Braves guys, uh, Peterson, Rosario, Salar, Eduardo Escobar, uh, Chris Bryant, Tyler Anderson, Javier Baez, Rich Hill, Schwarber, and Rizzo. All of those guys are free agents, and there's no qualifying offer tied to them. So no no one gives up anything um, if they get signed. Um, it's quite a bit, quite a bit. And I think from everything that I have read, the expectation is like everyone that was offered a qualifying offer is likely going to decline. Uh, mainly because yeah, it's just the, the one year. Um, the only person yeah. I could see potentially taking it would be Verlander, who might only pitch for one more year anyway. And 18.4 million seems like a, uh, a way to go. Good number. Yeah. Good number. Yeah. Seems all right. Um, yeah. So, so lots to keep an eye on that. Like I said, they have till the 17th to decide. Um, so we'll see if anything happens. I, I don't expect anyone will. Um, so last thing that I want to get on, um, before we call it a night. So, we have gotten into discussing bets more often, right? You know, with you going to the sports book oh, like yeah. occasionally, talk yeah. about stuff more often. Um, and we tend to be, I don't know, I, I feel like we have a lot of fun. I know you, you've you talked about having more fun with like your bets being like, you know, Cardinals will be winning the game after the second inning, you know, or... Yeah the third quarter of this football game will be the highest scoring quarter in the game. You know, like those kind of more random odd bets or yeah. your newfound favorite who will score the first basket of a basketball game. Yeah. 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 That's the best um, one for sure. Or, yeah. First basket. Dude. So, um, when this first started though, we had talked about throwing money in on like it being a Cardinals Yankees world series. Mm-hmm. So it got me thinking, like, maybe we should look at doing something like that for the start of the 2022 season. Obviously, we can wait to make sure it's going to happen first, um, like a new CBA gets signed to and stuff like that. But that we should 
you know, even if it's like just throwing 20 bucks at something, we should just put in bets on what we think will be, you know, the World Series and how many games they'll win it in, you know, or whatever. Because um, I imagine, like, regardless of who you pick, if you pick who who's going to win, who they're going to beat, and then how many games, I imagine the odds to that would be fairly high. Like, $20 and it being right, you would win pretty decent amount of money, I would imagine. So, <laughs> I I would think that it is very difficult to do, um, pretty unlikely. A lot of predictions are likely thrown out. Um, but on March 31st, 2021, the day before opening day for this most recent season, uh, Trevor Plouffe, former Major League Baseball player in the Twins organization, tweeted out his prediction for the 2021 season and his pick was the Atlanta Braves would beat the Houston Astros in six games (laughs) so it seems pretty easy to do it's happened every year I've thought about this being a thing so I feel like if Trevor Bluth can do it why not us you know one of us is it we're in the running to be the new manager of the GM our new GM of the Mets so Yeah, true. Might as well start collecting our paycheck now. Yeah, but I I thought it would be cool. I I think that it's I can't believe it didn't get more coverage that this prediction happened. I don't think he bet it anywhere. No, dude. People are too busy talking about Aaron Rodgers and his vaccination status. So the um <laughs> the Super Bowl's over, dude. Aaron Rodgers is you know <laughs> headline news. Um, but yeah, so I, yeah, I think that that would be, yeah, I think it would be worth like, that could be us, but we could make a whole bunch of money. Um, so a little homework nah, for dude. you to see I'll just be a, how much, I'll just be a, a week early on the bet. Dude, don't worry <laughs> that is true. I, I think we, I think we talked about that last yeah. week, didn't we? Uh, no touchdown bet. Yeah. I think we touched on it. Uh, maybe. Maybe, but long story short, um, on the Bills Miami game, we had a bet for no touchdown scored. Seven dollars would have paid seven hundred dollars, um, and they scored touchdowns finally in the game at the end of the third. Um, and then this past week, there was no touchdowns actually scored in the Jaguars Bills game. So I was just one week too early on the no touchdown scored in a football game uh, bet. How awesome would it have been? If it hit, because the best part of that story is that you thought you were betting on that the just the, the Miami wouldn't let the Dolphins score any touchdowns, yeah. which seems reasonable. Um, it also paying out, you know, what is that like a hundred and one Yeah, plus ten thousand. Gotcha. Um, uh, it paying out at that high level, it seems like it should have been, you know some different especially because when they played just you know a month and a half ago the bills yeah, destroyed them yeah. um but you still, no still came pretty close to be you know 15 16 minutes away from yeah. uh winning that's uh yeah and then just cherry on top following week no touchdowns so crazy mm-hmm. and we lost <laughs> hard hard week, hard week. Mm-hmm. um 
bam. So that's everything that I got. Um, some a lot of good, a lot of good stuff, a lot of feel good stuff. Um, we'll keep everyone up to date on the award season, you know, with, with where things end up. Um, gave a little bit of a prediction on each of them, but I'm sure we'll, we'll talk about it next week again. And, uh, I'm still alive in the Survivor League, and uh, I'm currently sitting in first place in the Money League. Uh, first place on the week or first place overall? First place overall, um, and also highest scoring team. Nice. Um, and where we're we're at like the halfway point now. Uh, right? So we're like eight week weeks nine? in to oh, okay. a seven. Yeah, this is this is week nine. And there's 17 weeks now. So. Well, there's 18 weeks now, right? Uh, well, 17 games. Right, but that's what I'm saying. And then a bye week, so nine yeah, weeks yeah. in would be the halfway point yeah. of the regular season. Yeah. yeah. And right, your Survivor League it ends with the regular season. It doesn't go into the playoffs, right? Correct. Yeah, okay. it's just the 18 weeks. So halfway there, man. Yep. Just gotta keep yep, going. Yep. Um, up. Oh, and then Blues won again tonight. Nice. Beat Winnipeg in a shootout. Um, so really, just the one one real bad game. Shit the bet against Anaheim Sunday night, but uh, it was too good to be true. They scored 13 seconds into the game and then disappeared for the next you know 59 minutes and 47 seconds. Hmm. It was all Anaheim from there, but for 13 seconds, Blues looked real good. Um. Yeah, so that's uh, that's everything I got on the agenda. Um, make sure you tune in next week. Buckle in. It's gonna be all about the Cardinals and their 2022 roster, and it'll be fun. Some good conversation. Oh, I feel yeah. Chris will have oh, like yeah. a week to do some homework, and uh, mm-hmm, go from there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Anything else on your end? Nope. 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 Cool, cool. All right, well, thanks to the three people for tuning in again, especially that one guy out in Ireland. You know who you are. Yep, yep, yep. Shout out to you. Um, And uh, as always, until next time, stay cool. Peace.